0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: You know, as he was saying that, as Pete was saying that, I literally looked out, looked out over the Hudson. Because we're so close to it here. And you can see those wisps of fog evident. Mm. But it's going to be a nice day. At least the start of it's going to be a nice day, a sunny one. Hopefully you can have some good plans for today, for the weekend. I mean, we've had so much wet weather. My goodness. One thing, I don't know about you. I don't want to hear anybody talking about any droughts after all the wet weather that we have had. Literally. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter after our 8 o'clock update. It is Rick Wolf who's along with the Sports Edge program. Ed Randall's Talking Baseball is along after our 9 o'clock update. And we move into a very interesting discussion in this hour of our program because we're going to be talking about an organization that goes by the name of Epic Players. You'll find out about this nonprofit. Appropriately enough to do that in our discussion, we have joining us Aubrey Therian, who is Executive Artistic Director of Epic Players. First of all, good morning, Aubrey.
2: Morning, Bob. Thanks for having us.
1: Nice to have you join us on our program. And is that the correct pronunciation of your last name?
2: Therian, yes.
1: Okay. Correct. Good. good. All right. At least I got it right once. That's the important thing here. <laughs> That's um, all that matters. In introducing you, I didn't want to give away too much of what Epic Players is all about because um, I've been fascinated with um, the history of this organization and the sort of things that you're involved in. We'll talk as well about an upcoming uh, production, but how do you describe what Epic Players actually is? Epic
2: is a theater company that shines a light on neurodiverse talent. We create professional performance opportunities for people living with you know autism and other neurodiversities to share their talents on stage and screen and you know find some kind of either career fulfillment in this path in the arts or build a community out of that.
1: Okay. What an interesting idea to be able to focus and even to focus on neurodiverse talent. Where did the idea for this approach come from?
2: Well, I've always worked with people living with disabilities. My grandmother had polio and was you know discriminated against most of her life. Um, and I saw her you know rise out of that and then my mother was a special education teacher, so When I was acting, I would come home from tour and go to my mother's classes, and we would write scripts for her kids, and we would then give them to the kids, and the kids would put them on and just literally transform. You know, any behavioral issues they were dealing with, any kind of challenges, they just overcame and focused solely on that play. They were the directors, they were the actors, they were so proud of their work, and Uh, the responsibilities they've taken on. And if you think about it, you know, acting and public speaking is is a big challenge for for anyone, not just the person living with a disability. So if you're a child who has been told their whole life that they're potentially incapable of doing things, and then you're doing something that everyone is afraid of and challenged by, and you're doing it well, that's pretty transformative. Um, So when I moved to New York, oh my gosh, 12 years ago, I, you know, looked for work like this. How can I incorporate this in, in what I do with theater? Um, and I found another organization that was doing similar work and started working with them and their programs. And then I thought, you know what, we have so much talent here, and we need to give them a platform to shine. We just we do. The world deserves to see this talent. So that's when we created Epic two and a half years ago.
1: And in creating Epic, you know. You, you mentioned the uh, talent that you're working with. And in many cases, I'm assuming you, you're working with people who um, at times have had many, I'm going to assume, a number of the proverbial doors slammed in their faces. Um, yeah. Do they, you know, Do they come to an approach like Epic? Are they they surprised? Are they skeptical? Are they fearful?
2: It depends on the person. Mostly they're very excited because they didn't know that something like this or an organization like this existed. Ah. Um, So it's like, oh my gosh, I found you. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty exciting. Most of our new players come from Our shows. They've either heard of our show and they came to see it. They're like, I want to do that and I want to be on stage with you. Um, Some are a little nervous at first, but then you see this, again, transformation. You know, somebody who might come to us feeling a little nervous in the beginning of the day will transform into our most chalkative player, our most gregarious player, the one who wants to be on stage the most, the one who's forming, you know, relationships within the group, building communities, going on outings together. Um, So it really, really is definitely dependent on the individual. But I would say most everybody is pretty excited to finally get taken seriously on stage.
1: I'm curious about this. And I'll just say this because um, part of my week in another form of employment that I do is I I teach in college classes and one of the classes that I teach is in the area of public speaking. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm intrigued by this. And the question I pose to you is is it the atmosphere that you're providing with Epic Players that you think is key to people being able to, I guess, feel comfortable enough to open up?
2: That's a good question. Um, I do believe environment is important and we are very specific in the environment we create. So our environment is very welcoming and very individualized. You know, we have great teaching artists with us and directors, but we're also a neuroinclusive theater company. So it means we work with people living with neurodiversities alongside a neurotypical person who also wants to do neurodiverse theater. So we all kind of are trying to break social stigmas and barriers. So we all work together to have that final product. And when you have that sense of community, that sense of you're not in it alone, you're supported and you're working together to create this product and everybody believes in you, and not only that, believes that you can do more. I think sometimes when you're working with individuals who might be living with autism or another neurodiversity, there's this Stigma that they um, can do less than, and we really reject that. In fact, we we like to give our actors several challenges. You know, we did the Tempest last year with zero adaptations, with a fifteen-person cast, sixty you percent know, of which was neurodiverse. So we really like to challenge our actors. So when you have an organization and a group of people that support you but believe in you so much that they're going to give you this you know, Prospero Shakespeare character and think that, you know, you're going to do it really well, and we're going to invite and reviewers, and we're going to do eight shows, and we're investing in you, I think that really is, creates this environment of, yes, you can do it, and this kind of creative confidence that you go forth and put on great work.
1: Well, when you say you're trying to break social stigmas, but what, what you're doing, I mean, it's not therapy, though, is it?
2: No. That's that's a very different thing. You know, drama therapy is very different than what we do, and we really wanted to be very specific about that. When we created Epic, because there are other organizations that do work to kind of build um, confidence through drama in terms of a, more of a drama therapy related approach. With Epic, you know, it's, we build a community, which is wonderful. We go out together. We all go out to eat after the shows, and we have this wonderful neurodiverse community of friends. But first and foremost, we are actors or directors or technicians on stage and off stage creating a professional production. This production we're doing next week, The Little Shop, is neuroinclusive. It's an equity showcase. Um, We're performing 10 runs. Our actors are all getting paid. Um, And it's, it's an experience we really want to give our actors and push that boundary of why can't an actor with autism play Seymour? Why are they just marginalized to play a peripheral role or a role for a person with disabilities when only 2% of the roles written for people with disabilities are available? And of those roles, 94% are played by neurotypical or able-bodied actors. So our Cast members in our community at large aren't even getting the opportunity to play themselves, let alone the class of characters that we are providing for them.
1: So, that what you're, you know, the opportunity you're providing, it, it, it seems obvious, but I think to make this, try to make this as concrete as possible for people who are listening to us, in a way, it's got to be almost transformative for people who, you know, in many cases, or in some cases, they've never held a job. Um, they've been told that they can't do things or, um, have not been given opportunities, uh, to do things. And yet in this case, they're able to step in to something where they're able to display their abilities and also to grow in the
2: job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they do grow with us. You know, each production, we try to increase our pay. It's a big part of our mission is to pay our actors for their time and talent and anybody backstage as well. And we want to make this a sustainable option for them. You know, careers in the arts are difficult, period, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for anyone. And it's extremely competitive, I'm sure, if you're a person living with a disability as well. However, you need to have the tools to try to pursue it. And our actors previously had never even been given the tools. Maybe they weren't allowed in that college program or maybe they don't have the resources to afford that conservatory. Or maybe it's something that's not adaptive that might be difficult or a challenge for them. So not only do we provide these professional platforms for them to shine, we also provide free career training and community classes, performing arts. We act as agents and managers and make sure our actors are going on auditions around the city, trying to get work other places. And we also help them make headshots and resumes for free as well. So several of our actors have gone on to you know, get roles in other theater company shows and be paid for their time in a commercial or a movie or go on to get their equity cards, which is something that I don't even have. That's huge. <laughs> it's huge. So uh you know that that can turn into a sustainable career for someone and you know the the employment rate in the disability community is really low unfortunately and by having these things to fall back on we hope to create another path that's not just you know labor jobs or restaurant work or you know that marginalized pigeonhole that people with disabilities kind of fall into when you look for employment this uh, is
1: Aubrey, really? what, go ahead. what we're going to do is take a pause in our discussion. I want to come back, talk more with you about sure. Epic Players. Aubrey Therian is Executive Artistic Director with Epic Players. We'll try also maybe work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. By the way, after our 8 o'clock update, it is Rick Wolf, who's along with the Sports Edge program. Aubrey Therian is talking with us this hour of our program on WFAN. She is Executive Artistic Director of Epic Players. I'm Bob Solter, Epic Players. um, We've been talking about uh, since we started our 7 o'clock hour. Now, one of the things that I wanted to follow up on um, with Epic Players, because I'm intrigued by the organization, how are you funded?
2: That's a good question. Um, We are funded by several institutional donors, so several foundations that believed in our mission and supported us. We're also funded by um, New York City Department of Cultural Affairs and the New York State Council on the Arts, and several individual supporters who believe in this cause. We are so fortunate to have a growing number of audience members and fans who want to contribute to us and and know that we are completely free for our actors and we pay our actors so funding is definitely important to us
1: when you were talking earlier about the idea of you know being able to offer classes and you know the kinds of things that you're able to offer how do you select the types of classes that you're able to share with the people you're working with
2: well, we do so through a company member survey. So we do want to hear from our company members. So at the end of each year, we do a survey asking what classes they'd like to see. And we'll see what the majority says. A lot of actors want um, training in very specific modalities like voiceover work or puppetry. Mm-hmm. But we also really want to offer foundation classes that any actor would go through in order to be a successful at an audition or in another show. So we always try to offer some form of audition preparation. We always try to offer some form of scene study. We also try to offer some form of musical theater preparation class. So this year we really started with a musical foundation class, learning music literacy um, and theory, that was taught by you know two Broadway vets that work with us over the course of a semester, and then culminated with a show at Lincoln Center in April. That was really special. Mm.
1: It does sound extremely special. Um, One thing we have not done thus far in our discussion, I always like to do this a couple of times, how do people who are listening to this discussion, perhaps they want to find out more about um, Epic Players, maybe there are people who are looking in some way to be supportive of your efforts, how can they find you on the web?
2: Oh, that's a great question. They can go to www.epicplayersnyc.org. E P I C P L A Y E R S N Y C dot org, and they can click about us and I want to join Epic, and then they can email us directly. Uh, my email is aubrey at epic dot org, and I'm always reachable through that. And then you can always contribute to our cause on our website as well, which is always welcome.
1: Now you mentioned <clears throat> earlier the fact that you have a production upcoming. This is Little Shop of Horrors. What has preparation for this been like?
2: Preparation has been really wonderful. We have such a talented cast. This is the biggest cast we've ever had. We're working with 22 artists. And we've been working since February to rehearse and build the show. And everyone has just been working so hard together. Um, A musical, especially a musical that's technically challenging, really requires a village of support. So not only do we have 22 artists on stage, we have 45 artists in total on stage and off stage working together to make the show complete. Um, rehearsals have been really amazing to see the talent and dedication shining through from every level of cast member in our show, from our leads to our ensemble members, you know, learning how to harmonize together, Learning their entrances and Right now, we're in tech rehearsal, and I always tell our actors, you know, we are catching up with you because you guys know the show backwards and forwards. We're trying to catch up with our technical elements, uh, but it's been really a wonderful experience.
1: And how does how does the organization choose the productions that you you do?
2: try to choose productions based on what our actors are really excited about. Mm -hmm. Um, They were really excited about Little Shop. Everybody loves the music, loves the songs, and kind of perfect. You know, Seymour is this outsider, you know, trying to fit in. He's socially awkward. He's never had a girlfriend, doesn't have a family, and he wants to, you know, be famous, and he wants to get out of that and step into the forefront of his own life. So it really was perfect for us. We try to choose shows that have that level of inclusion-exclusion and that we can explore. Um, but now we also have like a fairly democratic process in which we weed down our shows with finalists, put them through a voting process with our company, and then select. So next season we'll be doing Peter and the Starcatcher in the fall and Midsummer Night's Dream in the spring.
1: Mm. And when you're preparing... The folks that you're working with um, in terms of developing their skills, their abilities, um, trying to give them some tools, heading into, you know, the work field. And it's a very um, ambitious field, an ambitious effort. and It's a competitive field, when you get right down to it as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: What do you say, how do you talk to them about, I guess, judging success, because this very often um, I find in um, talking with students, and even sometimes with colleagues in the workplace, actually in the discussion I was having just a couple of hours ago on one of the other radio stations here, I was talking with somebody there about success in this field of broadcasting, okay? but how do you talk with them about achieving their goals and feeling a sense of accomplishment.
2: Yeah. We talk a lot about future jobs. I think that it's hard in this industry because even if you get into the door of an audition, that's a win,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, and it, that's difficult to sometimes communicate because you, you may not have gotten the part, but you got in the door. And that's the first step, and that's the success. So we do a lot of communication and training around that. Like, even just getting that audition is a win. You know, we have been auditioning now for Telsey & Company and auditioning for major TV shows. And, again, I've been an actor for 20 years. I've never had that experience. So it's a huge win for our actors to be able to, get in this room with these casting directors and producers and be seen and have those those headshots and resumes on a file. That's so amazing for them. So we really put a lot of effort into that, and into prepping that audition process um, and preparing everyone to be professional when they go outside of Epic. I think being an actor in general is a great training ground for any kind of professional. You have to be on time, you have to work together as a team. You're responsible for a very specific part of the show that you need to come in prepared for, or it will affect everybody else. So we put a lot of tools in place to make those things successful for our actors and kind of drive home those standards. So then when you're going out into another theater company or just another work experience, you, you already have this sense of responsibility and professionality that we've helped instill in you.
1: And one other thing that I would imagine is also key to this process is trying to instill, I guess, a desire, a sense for these folks to also never stop learning.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And after you never stop learning and backstage, same thing. So we're always trying to introduce everyone to new genres. You know, this is the first large-scale musical we've ever done. Um, So this is a learning experience for everyone. Uh, We always try to do a classic work. We're doing Shakespeare again next year. Just trying to introduce our company members to anything we can to help them continue learning, personally and professionally.
1: Hmm. Do you, as an organization, work with volunteers?
2: Absolutely. We love volunteers.
1: What do they do? What can they do for you?
2: Well, we have a program called our Mentor Program, which is where we have mentors in our classes that support any actors who might have specific challenges that require one-on-one support. So we have a mentor in each class. Actually, we have up to three mentors in each class but just act as that mentor, exactly that, that friend who might help that actor as they're trying to go through the material if they need it. We also need help on stage and off stage, um, off stage specifically, you know, with our front of house and our lobby, with backstage, um, making sure that our actors are getting on and off stage seamlessly, um, and just spreading the word about Epic. So definitely in our classes and in our shows require a lot of volunteer support.
1: And I guess One of the thoughts I had heading into our discussion today, too, is also about how it is that you promote awareness of EPIC. In other words, how do you get the word out?
2: Yeah, we get the word out a lot through our mailing list. So we have a mailing list of about 1,000 people. We always share the word about EPIC. We're also really lucky to partner with so many other amazing organizations, that share our mission in what we do. Um, so AHRC, you know, we, we're right now partnering with District 75 schools in New York City, and we're donating a whole performance to um, special education high school students and their families on June 5th, and they've been spreading the word about us. And on social media, of course, you can follow us on at Epic Players NYC. Um, and really a lot of word of mouth again from our partner organizations and our our fans
1: hmm. when you talk with the people that you're working with um, what kind of feedback do they give you about i guess what being part of epic means for them and again, I'm trying to trying to crystallize this for people who are listening to our discussion today as to what the significance of this is, what this really means for somebody who you're working with, who very often, as I said earlier, may have had, you know, the proverbial lots of doors slammed in their face. They've been told no lots of times.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, many of our players, most of our players will say that Epic changed their life. Um, and that is, is really kind of the overwhelming response that we have, which is amazing, and we're really, feel really honored to be able to help people in that way. But most of our actors and our, our company members will say that EPIC has transformed their life by creating this wonderful community of like-minded people to you know, be amazing life lifelong friends with and form relationships, but also... Give them the opportunity to do something they love and no one has ever given the opportunity for them to do before.
1: I always like to ask folks who are in situations like you were in uh, with Epic Players, what's on your wish list?
2: My wish list? I would love to have our own theater one day. That would be amazing. And we would call it the Epic Center. And we can put on as many productions as we like because we're not restricted by rent <laughs> to theaters in New York City. Um, and also, I wish that our players go on and get meaningful employment in the arts and we can kind of break that stigma that working with somebody living with a disability is too hard or will cost too much money or we don't have enough time because that's just completely false. And that Epic will be a sustainable long-term resource. Uh, we'll be able to continue, you know, with, of course, with the support of funders and new funders to do these amazing shows, pay our actors even more, and continue creating these amazing opportunities. Those are my three things.
1: I see you actually had an answer. I'm I'm not, I'm not surprised that you did <laughs> asking you the
2: question there. I thought about this a lot.
1: <laughs> Aubrey Therian, who is Executive Artistic Director for Epic Players, our guest in this portion of our program on The Fan. Ooh, CMB. Oh, I'll be there for that. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. After our nine o'clock update, it is Ed Randall who'll be by talking baseball here on the fan. We're in a discussion with Aubrey Therian, who is executive artistic director for Epic Players. Epic Players, as we've uh, told you in this discussion and this hour of our program, a nonprofit neuroinclusive theater company. And uh, Aubrey has shared an awful lot with us in our discussion. Um, you know, I had said earlier in the discussion too that um, I thought it was important in terms of the work of epic players in developing you know the players themselves. But you know this goes back to something you mentioned a couple of minutes moments ago that I kind of want to follow up on. And um, I guess this addresses, or I'm asking about addressing some of that stigma. And it's stigma in general surrounding people who live with developmental disabilities. And it may even be, in this case, specifically some of the people who would fall in the category of the players uh, that you're working with. With the success um, and, as you said, the hopeful long-term sustainability of an organization like epic players, do you feel that that is a way to perhaps address some of that stigma, address some of the myths that there may be associated with working with people, and in this case working with the players who have developmental disabilities?
2: Absolutely. I think that you can't be what you can't see,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. so representation is very important so the more and more we see people living with autism or other neurodiversities doing things like being on stage or being on screen or in, in other roles than we typically stereotypically see them in, that's just going to help society move forward and create a more inclusive world. Um, and that's what we want to do. So I think that Every theater should be neurodiverse. My hope is that, you know, very soon that this won't be a novelty, what we're doing. Every theater will cast neurodiversely. Um, You know, but it takes somebody to start.
1: But, you know, to go back to the point that you were making before we paused for our update and um, messages about this idea that, you know, there are these myths that it's, um, you know, too... Uh, difficult, or maybe it's too time-consuming to work with somebody who would fall in this category of having developmental disabilities. And, you know, those kind of myths have perpetuated for years. Correct. And have blocked a path to employment, blocked a path to opportunity for individuals like the players that you're, you're working with. I mean, is even the existence of epic players for lack of a better term, kind of a a, a smack right back at that.
2: Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, we hear all the time. You see casting all the time. When you're casting able bodied persons and neurotypical persons and their diverse roles, you're saying that there is no one else in this world that Is a disabled or neurodiverse actor who can play that role? And we reject that when we say there is. And it is not going to cost the studio more, and it's not going to take more time. And you'll probably get a more sincere and authentic performance out of our actors than whoever you're hiring to imitate something that they'll never be able to feel.
1: Why do you say that?
2: because I think, you know, there, I think there are two different camps. And I think people feel strongly in either camp at, you know, actors are actors and should be able to play anything versus a camp who says, you know, really people living with neurodiversity should be able to be given the opportunity to represent themselves. I personally feel that as an actor, you act feelings, you feel, you act emotions. That's, what acting is. That's how you play. Um, you can't feel autism. That's something very, very unique. You can feel nervous. You can feel uh, not confident. But You can't feel autism. So to to pretend that, I think, is a disservice and leads to those stereotypes and social stigmas that we're talking about and perpetuates that wheel especially when we just write roles for people living with autism that are the stereotypical either savant or, you know, someone who can't make eye contact, maybe is a little bit socially awkward, but there is a range of the autism spectrum and how that presents. And we limit it right now on how we represent ourselves. I think EPIC, what EPIC does is show the world what people living with autism and other neurodiversities are capable of and definitely says... We reject this notion that they can't do this for themselves on stage and screen.
1: So it's not just, quote-unquote, a job. Um, It's not, quote-unquote, just breaking barriers. But you're also, in a way, really promoting the idea of independence For the people you're working with?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you see that. You know, we have actors who maybe are coming with us, to us who have just graduated high school or kind of aged out of services. And when you're a person living with a disability at age 21, you age out of all of your your youth services. And it's almost like falling off a cliff.
1: Mm.
2: So when people find Epic. It for sure promotes a sense of independence and and almost like this uh, relief, like, oh, gosh, you know, I found this organization that's going to give me this platform now. So then we kind of take these actors and say, okay, now we're learning. We're learning lines. We're learning blocking. We're learning how to work together and how to communicate effectively and how to take direction and how to give direction and how to take criticism and how to give criticism constructively. And those are all really valuable things in the world that we live in, in theater, but also in the world, period. So it absolutely promotes independence and and a huge sense of self-worth.
1: I think I know the answer to this question, but I'll pose it nonetheless, because it's something I've been thinking about the entire time that we've been talking. And that is, with epic players, why is it important, why was it important to have an approach where you're introducing the idea of promoting, providing employment careers for adults on the autism spectrum through the performing arts. But you're doing that both for things on stage or in performance, but also behind the scenes. Why both approaches?
2: Well, because it it's not just the actors who create the show, and everyone has different strengths, right? So I'm not going to... You know, actors. Uh, Epic is an organization for everyone uh, who really loves to be a part of the arts world, and that may manifest differently. And I don't want to force somebody to go on stage if they don't want to. So we have several other facets that bring out some of these strengths of creativity, like directing, like stage managing, um, like writing. We're doing our first neurodiverse play festival. And we have so many writers in our company that we're realizing really want their voices and stories told. We're doing that in July. Um, we have people who are going to be working with us as mentors and in the office uh, or as ambassadors. It's very for me, it's important to find everybody's individual strengths, and that may be on stage or off stage, and highlight that and see how we can use that strength to incorporate it as part of Epic so everyone feels like this is their home and that they're building this thing together. Does that make sense? It
1: does. And, you know, as you were saying, that I'm thinking uh, writing in a way, in um, many forms of employment, many industries, has become almost a lost art. Um, So having that kind of skill or skill set is always a plus, and especially for someone in the performing arts field to be able to have that and to develop that, to nurture that, I think is a wonderful um, idea. Thank I didn't ask, didn't ask you earlier, um, Aubrey, and some of the people listening to us may have wondered this. I don't think we touched upon it. The players who come to Epic Players, how do they come to you? How do they find you?
2: A lot of players find us by seeing a show. Uh, but it's definitely the best way to see what we're about. Um, and our show opens next week on June 6th at the Sheen Center. We're doing a little shop of horrors until June 16th. So that's a great way to find us. on our website, www.epicplayersnyc.org. Um, they can just shoot us an email if they want to be involved in any way.
1: And where exactly is the center located?
2: We don't have a center yet. That's my dream. No, I mean, a, the,
1: the, <laughs> I'm sorry, in terms of where the performance is taking
2: place. Oh, the Sheen Center. Yes, thank you. It's 18 Bleecker Street. So it's on Bleecker and Elizabeth Street. It's a beautiful theater. We're really excited to be there. We'll be in their black box theater. And we'll be there for two weeks from the 6th through the 16th. Uh, tickets are only $25. And you can use the promo code Epic for 20% off. And obviously, we never turn anyone away for financial needs. So if there are listeners that want to see a show and maybe can't... Um, have a challenge getting a ticket, they can just email us.
1: And here's an opportunity to follow on something that I asked you about earlier. Somebody who's listening to this discussion, perhaps something you have said in the discussion has struck a chord with them. They want to be involved, um, perhaps help out in some way in terms of volunteering, fundraising. How do they go about doing that?
2: All they need to do is email me. They can go to our website or email me at aubrie at epicplayersnyc.org, and I'll be happy to talk to them. We are always looking for volunteers to help us on stage, off stage, and with fundraising support.
1: Well, it sounds like a very worthwhile organization. Um, Aubrey Therian, who is Executive Artistic Director of Epic Players, our guest this hour of our program, On the Fan, I know that your words have touched um, a lot of the folks who are listening to us. Hopefully uh, some of them will be in touch with you as well to be supportive of your efforts or perhaps to come out and check out um, this performance. Certainly good luck with Epic Players. and Thank you very much for joining us on our program and sharing the information you have.
2: Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: And that is Epic Players with an S. N-Y-C, that's all as one word, dot O-R-G. Interesting discussion. Hopefully you found it as well. Busy program. Now, let me just say something here. We're in the month of June. Theoretically, eh, halfway through the year. Some might think this is the time to coast, No. You'll start to understand exactly why I just said what I just said. Next Sunday morning, we have a doozy of a program. And then on Father's Day. (laughs) Just wait till you find out exactly what we are doing that morning. I'd be here early if I were you. After our 8 o'clock update, which will come our way from Pete McCarthy, we will have Rick Wolf along with the Sports Edge program. And after Pete's 9 o'clock update, well, um, how can I phrase this? Uh, I like to say that a different kind of wind blows in. The tides turn. The fortunes change. All those things come together. Ed Randall will be here then. He'll be talking baseball on the fan.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.